Hello, hello, welcome back, welcome back to our show This is your boy Drew, this is How Was Your Day Podcast I'm always joined with the two homies and always our special guests Alright, we got two special guests in the building today Alright, one on the, one in present and one over the landlines But I'd like to introduce Smith CEO, how you doing today? You know me man, I'm blessed as always, how you doing? For sure, I'm good man, I'm blessed, I'm alive, couldn't ask for more Alright, GQ Nesto, how you doing today? I'm doing good for sure. And of course, my big cuz, cousin Earl. How you doing today? Little cousin. Little cousin. Hey man, we already went over this. <laughs> little last big time. cuz. This is my little big cuz, all right. All right. I'm I'm doing very well, man. Thanks for the invitation. All right. Hey man, you know, as parents, you know, we're all adults sitting at this table. Some of us have children and some of us don't. But uh what I wanted to uh bring bring across the airwaves today was um the situations and how we're dealing with our children who are presently uh, going to school online and the impact on their behavior, um, their attitudes that you're seeing in home, um, as well as our special guest today, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, the teacher's perspective. You know, we always talk about the kids, but what about the teachers? How hard, um, how difficult this may be for them? Or even how easier it is, you know, for them to uh, maintain and be effective in the classrooms. Um, but I got a little story I want to tell, right? So my son, my son, Eric, right? I have, I have two boys. My son, Eric, is uh, he's, his attitude in the bad ways. The bad attitude is kind of like me. It's a, it's a mixture of his mother and I. So he's like a little pit bull terrier. I don't, I, it's bad. So all I hear one morning, all I hear is this smack. And I'm like, what, babe, what was that? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know what, what that was. I go into his room. This dude is so upset that he has to sit in front of his laptop for eight to ten hours a day. He punched his Chromebook. He punched it. <laughs> he smashed it. And at first I was like, yeah, yeah, son, do that. And then I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, who's? Who's paying for this? That was a four hundred dollars. Yeah, flat, you know what I'm saying. I was like, um, oh, like, come on, bro. So what he had to do? I made him wash dishes for like you know three thousand hours or something like that. Woke him up like three o'clock in the morning. Get on them dishes. You know what I'm saying? Like a straight drill sergeant or something like that. But like, I, I I tried to understand the difference. You know, the stress levels that come along with you know this is a change, and and for the most part, we as humans we don't really like change and we don't deal with change. Well, not all of us and not all of the time. Um, so what I did today is I have a guest show. I, I mean, I have a guest today who's going to share his perspective along with my big cuz Earl, right, on the teacher side of the house, right? So what I like to introduce the later the listeners and the viewers today to my brother, my family, you know what I'm saying, my best friend, all right, Mr. Shields, the educator, all right, my brother, and the biggest Kobe fan I've ever met. <laughs> uh, Mr. Shields, uh, introduce, yes, introduce yourself to the listeners. Like I said, thank you for uh, joining us today and let the list listeners know a little bit about yourself. Well, first and foremost, thank you for that introduction, Drew. You're far, far too kind. Um, I've been in the field for, for 18 years. Um, I work in the Southern California region. Um, most of my experience has been in the classroom. Um, I've worked with students in the alternative ed setting, special ed setting, mountain moderate. I've worked in um, the PBS program, which stands for Positive Behavior Support. 
And essentially what that is is that we, it's a non-public school setting in a public school um, environment. And so our students who might have been removed from the, the campus uh, for conduct disorder, some of these students have ED, which stands for emotional disturbance. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of experience with that. Um, I was a program specialist for the district. Um, I also worked on the intensive counseling department for our district. And then I also worked um, in special ed in the moderate with individuals who are moderate to severely impacted by disability. So um, that covers my range of experience. Like I said, I've been doing this for 18 years. Very passionate. I really love what I do. And um, again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan. Shout out to Nesto and, and CEO. For sure, man. Appreciate well, thank that. you. Appreciate thank you. That. Yeah, of course they appreciate that. You just shot them out on like it's like, Mama, I made yeah. it. All right, I made it. Um, but like, uh, before we get in, get into your, you know, we we have a lot of time, so it is no rush. But I, I know, I know one of our hosts, our co-hosts, our Smith CEO. Have you noticed any difference with what's going on in your household as far as when it comes with the COVID and and the traditional learning versus what we're facing right now? Uh, yeah, especially lately. I think he's just over being in the house. You know, I mean, it's, it's different this year. Last year, they finished off, finished off the school year with distance learning. Um, it was a little different at the time. He was only in the first grade. So, you know, they would meet twice a week for like an hour in the first 30 minutes. You know, the teacher's trying to get the kids to calm down because they're excited to see each other because they haven't seen each other. Um, this is a little different because they're meeting every day. Um, some days it's a struggle. Some days he goes and gets in front of his laptop in his room and just does what he has to do. Some days we got to be like, Mason, get in there and do your work. Mason, get in there and do your work. So, I mean, it's just... Uh, the teacher does a really good job though keeping them engaged. So it's just trying to find that that balance, you know what I mean? Because they're they're not used to being stuck in the house. They want to be with their friends. They want to be out on the playground. You know, from home you can't really do that. So it's a struggle. It's just a, it's the change for everybody, like you said. It's just adapting. We don't like to adapt to things very often. All right, and, and once again, like on our last episode, I had to pop my collar for my for my big cuz, right? So I know you know you play a significant role in the education system out here in the Bay Area. Um, with the COVID, what obviously there's a change, right? There's a difference. What have you noticed, and what have you been through? Uh, man, it's uh, so I, I work with a very at promise. Um, the the term used to be at risk population, and um, what I'm finding is that um, families are having a hard time because these are families that have have had negative interactions with schools anyway, and so students you know, are having a, a, a hard time being motivated to be a part of school. And then teachers uh, themselves are having a hard time scaffolding uh, or creating curriculum or opportunities for students to learn and show that they've learned um, by distance. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately in the organization I work in, we have a lot of people who are teachers or uh you know, student service oriented that are at risk population to catch COVID. Um, and so they can't be on site. And it puts it puts our students at a disadvantage. Um, and so the struggle really is around, you know, creating learning opportunities for the students and keeping the students engaged. So what, me hearing you say that your child uh, is engaged in any form or facet, it's really encouraging hearing that a teacher can, you know, capture a student's attention in, in this time because even I have older students like that are way older, like middle school, middle school and high school, 
it, it just makes it really difficult for them because, again, these are, this is the population that has struggled. So I'm wondering in the comprehensive settings if the students ha that have had issues with attendance and, you know, um, behavior and home situations, how they're adapting. Um, because what I'm seeing right now is, is not good. Like, these students are disappearing, and we're just having a hard time. Okay. Hey, hey uh, Kim, I, I got a question for you. So, you know, I can only imagine, like, how, how resilient um, edu educators on all levels um, have to be during this time. Uh, what are you doing to create um, that sense of normalcy uh, for your students, especially, when, you know, because we're doing distance learning, you know what I'm saying? You're used to in-person. Um, right. What are, what are you uh, trying to uh, implement uh, in your classroom? Um, I, I think everything begins with, with dialogue. Um, so, you know, I've opened up the lines of dialogue up and down the chain of command, right? And so for me, I, I, I try to remain conscious about the way I'm managing my vertical and horizontal relationships mm -hmm. with administrators, parents, students, uh, my colleagues and, and educators from other districts. Um, and then from there, you know, you, you take that information and you try to tailor experience for your students, right? Um, our students have been out of school now for, for nine months. And so my mindset is, how do I mitigate skill regression? Mm -hmm while simultaneously focusing on skill recruitment to improve, you know, student outcomes or, or, or find more equitable outcomes for our students. Okay. Okay. And, and you know, you, you know, I want, I'm going to um, turn it over to GQ Nesto. Like I know that, you know, as an outsider looking in, you know what I'm saying? Cause you don't have any children on your own, but like if you were to put yourself in this situation, do you think you would be more effective uh, learning online versus in classroom. What challenges do you think you will face? Well, well I got. And, and I, I'm sorry. Yeah, go go ahead. Well, well, what 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 I've kind of experienced that you know, um, I actually uh, went back to school with with this COVID thing, and and I actually got to experience this whole you know online learning and and uh, you know staying motivated and you know, trying to obviously better myself, but obviously with that came the package of adapting. Uh, it was difficult. It was difficult. And one of the things that I kind of, uh, you know, I'm curious to know, and I think maybe, you know, both of you guys that are, you know, in the uh, education business, if you want to say, um, you guys would probably be able to understand, probably have the, the answer for that. But one of the things that I, uh, that I kind of experienced myself is, is that, there's all types of learners, right? You have the audio, you have the, the, the people that learn by seeing things, and sometimes a combination of both. So to me, I'm more hands-on, more I need, to, I need to see it, right? So how do you, how do you guys deal with, with, you know, adapting, helping kids adapt to, to their personality? And obviously, um, with, with COVID, you know, everything's virtual, so it takes everything out the window. So what do you guys see on that? Because to me, that was difficult. So um, I could only imagine what a what a kid is going through and what a what a, a teacher is going through. Because obviously, they they got to deliver the the information. They got to help mm -hmm. the student, you know, achieve whatever they have to go through, you know, through a class year. So um, one of the things that I've that I've been able to do is in lieu of uh, teachers having uh, real high 
technological skills. I have some teachers that are really tech savvy. And so they're able to create uh, opportunities for students to learn through sharing the screen and also giving students opportunities to share their screen um, and kind of show what they learn. And then uh, I use community-based organizations because of the population that I serve. Like, I need boots on the ground. I need people to go and check and see uh, how students are doing at home, uh, make phone calls to families. Uh, we, have so, we have a high Spanish-speaking population as well. So having people to go and advocate if we have students who have, like, basic needs, like food <laughs> and, and shelter, you know, um, to check in and see if those things are being provided so that we can continue to support them. And then giving them opportunities um, to turn things in physically, like we, we literally drop off the work to them and go pick it up from them. Um, and then we also have opportunities where, um, like we have the Sprint one, 1 million, now it's the uh, T-Mobile 15 million uh, opportunity where they provide um, Wi-Fi and cell phones to the students so that they have a hotspot and they have a way of communicating with their teachers. Uh, I taught my teachers how to use Google Voice. So they don't have to use their cell phone number, their personal cell phone number to communicate with the student, but uh, it gives the student an opportunity to communicate directly with the teacher because cell phones are now the order of the day. So um, is it a struggle? I think the struggle that you're speaking to is absolutely uh, real, but I think right now being at the beginning of this, um, we're, we're not even as deep in it as we are going to be. Um, I think people are starting to look at different ways of providing uh, learning opportunities. Um, online education with uh, programs like Apex and Edgenuity and Odyssey Wear. Um, I, think, I think those are some things that we've kind of dive or dove into. But, um, you know, is this going to be a constant revisitation of where are we? This didn't work. Okay, let's go back to the drawing board. And I think um, my team of teachers in uh, community-based organizations are willing to do that. Um, but it's a struggle. Okay. Hey, hey, Cam, at any time, man, if you want to chime in, go ahead and chime in, okay? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, like, thank, thank you for that response because um, – so, like, and, and both of you guys, you know, I have a question for you both, and you kind of already hit hit on it. Um, but what, Cammy, in your situation down there in SoCal, what steps has your district taken to assist both the student and the parents in the facilitation in the facilitation of uh, of transparent communication? Well, I I, I want to add to um, Earl's point. Um, you know, we it it has transform the way we do things, right? Um, for better or for worse, but it has de definitely transformed our approach. And so for us, my district, you know, what do we know? Social media is ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. um, it transcends uh, SES, which is social economic status. So we've used um, social media as a resource to keep like our students and families informed um, regarding like the current status of distance learning, um, what they can expect in the coming weeks and months and et cetera. Um, and we're taking that information and research and turning it into a resource for our families. Um, in addition, 
We've employed our school counselors to help students access like mental health services and help them find healthy coping mechanisms to deal with this new reality. Um, Cause I want to go back to what you said about your son punching, um, you know, a hole in the Chromebook, right? right. Even before pre pandemic. And I think cousin Earl will, will probably agree with this. Um, one of the trending, um, interventions has been SEL, social emotional learning, right? Right. Yeah. right. All this did was expedite our learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, this forced us to make it transition it from an emerging concept to a priority. Because again, um, we were unprepared for this. Yes. We, we weren't, right? And so now that we have kids who um, are struggling with this transition to distance learning, Again, um, accessing our mental health services. Like I said, I used to be in the intensive counseling um, department. Um, using, utilizing our, our school counselors um, more frequently, they have, they're doing sessions with kids, group sessions, individual sessions. You know, I, I would like us to get to the point where we offer something for our families collectively um, to help families, you know, survive this pandemic and, and develop coping, uh, healthy coping mechanisms so that they can come out of this you know, without any, you know, hopefully long-term effects. Mm-hmm. And can I, can I piggyback on go that? Ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, social emotional learning is uh, something that uh, a lot of districts uh, through, across the nation have really been digging deep into. Um, and the use of um, response to intervention, um, meaning that we look at, you know, a student's performance, their behaviors, their health. Um, I forgot what the other quadrant was, but um, I think when we when we start really looking into like not just the academics, because that's where we are right now. Like we have to look at the whole person, and also um, I think there's a piece where you were saying you were sharing like small snippets of learning can be very powerful. Um, I think. The example that you gave, like eight to ten hours, that's too long, because we only retain about you know fifteen percent right. of one hour. Right. <laughs> so, right. I mean, essentially, you have a kid going in if they're in class for you know ten ten hours. That's 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 really not a lot of you know knowledge retention. So, what ways can we uh, allow students to build their skills, um, not just doing these long sessions to meet state requirements, state or federal requirements, but, but like how can we get real learning to happen? Uh, how can we send students out into the world to get some experiential learning? I know COVID limits us in a lot of ways, but there are a lot of things around our communities that students can take a look at and apply to what a teacher may have or a school or a system may have um, delivered instructionally. Um, and I think we have to take advantage of this this opportunity because it will put us in a really prime position to get people to uh, start to take very practical approaches to building their own, uh, and he'll understand this, schema, like build on their own schema, their own knowledge that they had prior to. Um, and, and there will be fewer gaps, right? And so essentially what I'm saying is that if we, if we were able to shorten school, uh, given that we're in COVID and give students an opportunity um, uh, right now, and he would know this as well, um, give them opportunities to have asynchronous uh, opportunities away from school to learn 
away from school, right? So synchronously, like they're in class with their teacher, they're meeting their instructional minutes, but how, how can we give them opportunities away from school to build on their own learning, to come back the next day refreshed with something that they learned right. separate of the teacher? And then that's kind of like how you, you you know, back in the day, it used to be what L.A. Trade Tech. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you may not be so book smart, but you may be hands-on. You may be that hands-on learning like mm-hmm. you hinted on earlier. I am I am kind of both. You know what I'm saying? I need to read it, and then I, I need to actually put it into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what I did as a, as a, as a child, you know, because my passion, if I had a dream job, you know, like some people want to be NBA stars, NFL players, they want to be rappers, they want to be entertainers and stuff like that. But my dream job is actually what I pursued once I got out of the military is I wanted to be a teacher. Right. That's to me, that's that's the pinnacle. You know what I'm saying? It, I would be so happy. But then when I got down to all that schooling and all that testing I got to take, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> like, nah, let me think about something else. But, you know, you can always tell when somebody cares about what they do because they put in a lot of effort into what they do, how I'm going to present to my class, how I'm going to have them engaged in what I'm presenting so that they can attain the most knowledge and not just attain, but just retain it and then put it into practice. So I have a question for you both. Um, If you compare the hours that you spent preparing your lesson plans, talking to your staff and your educators and stuff like that, what is the difference between pre-COVID and what you're actually doing now? Are you putting more time in now? I kind of mm. already know the answer, but are, right, you, are right. you putting the time in now versus pre-pandemic? Uh, Cam, we'll let you go first. Um, personally, I, I would say I've spent more time preparing for lessons, uh, IEPs, presentations for um, professional development, and et cetera. Um, you know, I taught you once a week, Drew, and you know, a typical night for me now typically ends around midnight. Um, many of my colleagues, though, are also sharing a similar experience, but, but that's, a, that's also a byproduct of having a new learning curve, yeah. right? This is new. And so, you know, one of the unintended consequences of this pandemic is it brought our deficits to the surface. Mm-hmm. And, and like, like what I mean by that is that our educational system has remained like virtually unchanged for generations. You know, technology is like giving us new and more creative ways to to enhance our pedagogy, but the framework of our system has remained unchanged, right? The school calendar, um, instructional minutes, testing, right? Um, I heard Earl say, given our, our students the ability or access to learn away from school, right? Um, the framework of our, our educational system has remained the same. So again, you know, as a byproduct of a new learning curve, yeah, it's, it's you know, you got to respect the process. You're going to be putting more time and energy and effort into trying to solve this, you know, new challenge. Yeah, it's a, it's a new system, right? It, like it's forcing us to come up with a new system. And, um, and, and it's, you know, right now we're, we've only known one system. And so now, you know, COVID has forced us to appreciate technology, but it also has let us know what limitations technology has, right? And so this is where we take really strong, concentrated efforts uh, to add the human element. That's what's missing. Um, People need people. And, you know, 
it sounds so simple, but you know, I work with a lot of people who take great pride in being smart and being the smartest person in the room. But I take great pride in being the person who doesn't know <laughs> and saying, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> I need help. Has anybody ever experienced this before? Is anybody else experiencing this? And what happens is, is that it opens up the dialogue. Right. For everyone else to say, you know what, I really don't know as much as I said I did. Right. Or you, I was, remember them teachers who were like, there is no such thing as a stupid question. Right. Right, right. right. I get you. And, and so now we're in a place now where uh, you have people asking questions that would be deemed stupid in this previous context. But it's no longer stupid because we're in a situation where the human element has been taken away. And so you're asking teachers to um, not be as charismatic, right? Like charisma doesn't go, doesn't both translate well over the screen. And I'm just being really transparent. Like you could be, you know, you could be the best entertainer, but you know, I, I heard my brother say, you know, using the uses of social media, we have to adapt and use social media to our advantage for the benefit of our students and our families and our stakeholders. But we're not doing it at the rate that we should. Right? Sure. We're not using it in a way where students can, you know, those surveys that you do on Instagram. Why can't we use that as a as a way to measure understanding? Okay. You get what I'm saying? No, no, no. I understand. Hey, but for you, like Smith CEO, like, okay, I want to relate it as far as to what you're seeing in your son and what you would have wanted as yourself. Like knowing when I was in high school, you know, the only hands-on classes that we have would be like your auto shops, Mm -hmm. your wood shops and stuff like that. But now we're so far advanced. You know what I'm saying? If you want to learn coding, you should be able to learn that in, in, in high school. Do you think that your son or that yourself would will have benefited to more of a transition. Okay, I'm going to get the foundation of what I need to learn uh, during three, four, or five hours of school, but then I'm actually going to be able to put it into practice. How do, how do you think that would help your son or maybe even yourself? Oh, yeah, I'm saying that. I said my, my wife and I were pretty spoiled. Um, for one, our son is, like, super tech savvy. He's super smart with technology, video games, anything that's to do with technology, he, he just comprehends it. And we actually found this out at our last parent-teacher conference. The teacher actually relies on him through instant messages to help other students because he comprehends so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it also starts with him, too. Like, the teacher has implemented that. Where she had cut down the learning time, they're only in class for three hours online. And the rest of the time is independent work. Mm-hmm. You know, and even with that, like, we – and he has submitted himself. Or we were supposed to submit it as parents, but he submits it himself. And, like, sometimes he submits before we even have a chance to check it as parents. And majority of the time it's correct, but I mean, he, we just been lucky because he just understands it, he comprehends it. So, I mean, right. um, but I'm sure for a lot of parents out there, it is difficult, you know what I mean? Because for some of us, like I myself, I have been out of school forever. So, like, sometimes I feel like he's going to come to me for a question. I'm not going to know how to hop him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, but we've been, we've been lucky. Too, yeah, right? like, we've right. been lucky. But, I mean, you know, the teachers, were, she has her office hours so we could reach out at any time. But nice. I mean, we haven't ran in that situation yet. But, I mean, overall, I've been pretty spoiled as a parent in that aspect because he just, he gets it and. I'm, I'm blessed and I'm thankful for that. Okay. You, you know what makes me think about, you know, hearing you guys talk is, okay, you know, Cam was mentioning that, you know, his days end at midnight, you know, and I'm pretty sure your, your days end pretty late as yes. well. Okay. So all that, I mean, I don't care what the money 
you know, whatever the money you're getting paid for, I think at some point the stress levels go up. So, right. Yes. So with that being said, are you, are, are you like virtually smacking a kid or how are you guys, <laughs> how are you guys dealing with that? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, put that, yeah. like that's a tough, that's a tough, you know, right, you, you right. still got to deal with, yeah. you, you got to deal with them. You know, the class clown, now mm-hmm. he becomes unstoppable. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you can't, you know, you can't say, you can't say, you know, go to detention. Like this dude's just going to turn off his computer. So right, right. Like, how do you guys deal with that? Like, man, we like, need it. But sometimes we need the.